You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. And gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. So, I mean, look, I did an episode last night on David Bakhtiari. If you're here to find out what I said, go back. I'm not going to just do that all over again. Um, but man, 2020 went out with a bang, huh? I'm not, I'm not celebrating that it's over, because for all I know, 2021 is going to be worse. So I'm just going to sit here and keep going on about my life, and we'll see how things go. So far this morning, I saw about a car crash. Apparently, there's a super coronavirus that's uh, spreading. Pretty sure we all still hate each other. I don't know. Let me know if all those things have changed. But, um, yeah, I was real excited. I thought I was going to break my personal record for biggest podcast download day of all time. Um, We were at 4,300 before the David Bakhtiari news broke. My goal before the season was over, was a 5,000 download day. So I said, well, this this is going to happen real early. I didn't expect it to hit already. Because if you have 4,300, and then I drop an episode, and then JJ drops an episode, we're going to crush 5,000. Unfortunately, my hosting company said, you know what? We're taking the rest of the day off. Whatever extra downloads you get, we'll just dump it over until tomorrow. So this morning is looking real good. But that annoyed me. Maybe it's all in an effort to make 2021 better. Like, let's not make 2020 look better than it is, even though I would have hit my goal and you guys ruined it, but whatever. It's fine. I don't care. Anyways, speaking of, again, that is a goal of mine, so if you wouldn't mind sharing it around, let your friends and family know and all that good stuff. If you're waking up this morning and feeling ultra generous, there are ways to help support the podcast, Patreon, etc., etc. Links are in the description. Make sure you get in the newsletter, blah, blah, blah. All right. I guess I'm, I'm struggling to know where to start. Because, again, I, I don't want to recap, but I don't know what else to talk about other than David Bakhtiari, because that changes everything. Like, you no, know, it doesn't. That's that's a lie. That's stupid. It doesn't change everything. It doesn't change us having the best quarterback, uh, the best, you know, running back group, best wide receiver, still a solid offensive line, um, hopefully a, a new and improved defensive line just as this defense hits its stride. You know, we're talking Zadarius, Rashawn, Preston, Kenny, and Snacks Harrison with Jair and Savage and Amos, three of the top-rated DBs in the NFL right now. So, no, David Bakhtiari doesn't change everything. It sucks a lot, but it doesn't change everything. And and furthermore, and this was more or less my my contention as well, but um, Coach Hahn was jumping in our group Discord chat saying, more or less, as long as Wagner is healthy, we still have a very good offensive line. Billy Turner is going to kill it at left tackle. Rick Wagner is more than adequate at right tackle. And then, obviously, Elton Jenkins and Lindsley and Patrick um, can do a good enough job. You know, Patrick isn't the greatest, but that's still... I mean, and, and again, this is largely... I, should, I guess I don't know. I mean, everybody has a right to be upset about Bakhtiari, but, but anybody saying we're doomed or we're done again, has no concept or context of what's going on around the NFL. People just, again, talk about living in a bubble. Have you seen the Vikings offensive line or the Bears offensive line or the Seahawks offensive line or the Texans offensive line? Well, the Texans aren't good. Yeah, they went to the, the, the playoffs like three years in a row and they have a garbage offensive line. The Giants, the Jets, the Chargers, 
How about the Titans? Remember they can't pass block? They're going to the playoffs. Bucks offensive line isn't that great. Saints offensive line has some problems. Colts offensive line is struggling. Nobody, I mean, <laughs> outside of the Cleveland Browns, nobody had what the Packers had. And yeah, this is going to knock us down a peg. We're going to have to find a way to win a Super Bowl without having the number one offensive line in football. You think it can be done? I don't know. We'll have to go back in history and see if that's ever happened in NFL history. Not trying to make light of it, but some people are getting a little carried away. Listen, one of the things, one of the hallmarks of winning a Super Bowl is being a team that can overcome adversity. We did it in 2010. Maybe not the best parallel in the world, but you might remember that um, the reason Balaga really got his start was because Mark Tauscher went out. Not the greatest comparison because that happened in week five. Also, Tauscher is not uh, Bakhtiari, and Turner's not Balaga, but still, it's a thing that happened. (laughs) You know, there might not be somebody that went out right at that time, but, you know, we lost Papinga for the season. We lost Mike Neal for the season. We lost Brad Jones for the season. We lost Ryan Grant for the season. Jermichael Finley for the season. Morgan Burnett for the season. Nick Barnett for the season. That's a lot. How many guys that are that critical have we lost for the season? How many Nick Barnetts did we lose this year? How many Jermichael Finleys? Who, by the way, in 2010 was the third highest graded receiving tight end in football. Not overall, but receiving he was. He's out for the year! You know, Brady Papinga maybe wasn't the greatest edge rusher of all time, but you know, you're looking at a, at a team that had Clay Matthews and not a huge amount of talent outside of that, and we lose Mike Neal and Brady Papinga. So we're rolling with Frank Zombo all year. No offense to Frankie or anything, but it's rough. The fact of the matter is that that team had some serious holes. They had a great offensive line with the exception, maybe, of their tackles. Josh Sitton and Scott Wells were freaks. Brian Balaga was the weak link, the guy that had to come in and, and fill in. Obviously, he got a lot better, but he was a rookie. They didn't have a Devontae Adams on that team. They had Jordy and they had Jennings, and that's great, but Driver had clearly fallen off at this point. James Jones wasn't doing anything at this point. Jordy's first breakout year really was 2011. Greg Jennings was fine. He had a 75 overall grade, which is pretty much par for the course for him. But again, we're not talking about Devontae here. Tight end, again, Finley's done. That leaves us with what? Andrew Corliss, Tom Crabtree, and Donald Lee. I'm not going to trash talk any of these guys. Corliss played for a long time and was a contributor. Tom Crabtree is a Packer legend. Donald Lee played too. None of these guys I would take over, probably even Mercedes Lewis, if I'm being completely honest. Aaron Rodgers is a freak, which, I mean, to be completely honest, how does a team like this, how, how did the 2010 team win? Just be, it's not because they were perfect. They got hot at the end of the year. They had a white-hot quarterback and a defense that really, really stiffened at the end of the year. They were a good defense all year, basically, but they got real good come playoff time I mean we're, we're kind of in that same vein I'm not saying we're guaranteed to win anything we never were we weren't with uh, Bakhtiari and we're not without him but our quarterback is better than he was in 2010 our wide receiver situation is I would say better than it was we don't have maybe the same duo but Devonte is heads and tails above Jordy and Jennings in 2010 heads and tails and it's not even close we're talking about an all-time historic season by any wide receiver ever. We're talking about raw stats are going to break records. 
not even including a per-game average because he missed some time. I'm just talking about just, just the numbers straight up. The running backs, I mean, look, James Starks had his coming out party, but he had a 68 overall grade. He was fine. It was, but The biggest thing about Starks that was shocking is he was able to actually get yards. He came out and could actually get a couple yards here, and then I was like, whoa, we got a running back. Imagine that, because we just didn't have any. It was that and what, Brandon Jackson? Come on, man. That doesn't hold a candle to our third. I, I would take our third best running back over James Starks. Maybe Jamal and Starks are kind of on a similar tier. I mean, he had 110 carries for 416 yards, 3.8 yards per carry average in 2010. 3.8. Again, I know we, we deify things in our mind, right? We, we, we kind of put a, a veneer, especially on great seasons. We won a Super Bowl in 2010, so everything in our memory is, is magical. We remember James Starks being this nobody that steps out onto the field and all of a sudden just runs wild, and it's like, what the heck was that? He had 10, uh, 11 carries over 10 yards. That was something you didn't see in Green Bay very often. And he only had 110 carries, so once every 10 times he touches the ball, he runs for 10 yards or more. That's pretty good. His longest carry was 27 yards. So, I mean, it was a spark for the team, no question. But again, I would take A.J. Dillon, I would take Aaron Jones, I would take Jamal over James Starks. The defense probably was a little bit comparable, but again, it, it's it's that's a good thing in terms of who would you rather have. We don't have a, a, a Desmond Bishop on this team. Desmond Bishop was a very good linebacker that year. Had some real good um, DBs when you look at uh, Tremont, Shields, and Woodson, kind of like Amos, Savage, and Jair. Again, they really only had one edge guy, but Clay Matthews was probably better off the edge than just about anybody we have right now. 17 sacks, 74 pressures on 556 attempts. Um, I'm probably good with our trio over just having one guy, but but again, it's debatable. The defensive line with Cullen Jenkins and B.J. Raji, that ain't bad. Eight sacks apiece. I mean, we got a, a nose tackle, B.J. Raji, getting eight sacks. That's crazy. On top of Cullen getting his own eight. So again, I mean, it's it's still, to this day, comparable. Again, the formula here is white-hot quarterback and a defense that's really, really starting to heat up. This is horrible news, but let's not catastrophize this. Why can't the Packers score touchdowns without David Bakhtiari? Because what, Billy Turner can't block? He's been on the offensive line all year. So has Rick Wagner. How many sacks have these guys given up? Well, Billy Turner's given up two. Rick Wagner's given up one. Rick Wagner has been at right tackle 540 times. One sack in 540 snaps at right tackle. 324 as a pass blocker. Now, maybe Rick Wagner doesn't play. That's possible. Elton Jenkins has given up one sack. One. And he's played tackle already this year. Not an extended period of time, but we're talking uh, 60 snaps. If you want to be concerned, be concerned about Lucas Patrick, the guy that was probably going to be playing anyways, again, depending on Rick Wagner. But, you know, I'm talking in circles, but again, go look at some of the other offensive lines. Lucas Patrick has given up the most sacks on this team. He gave up three. Go to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Donovan Smith, their tackle, has given up six sacks. Ryan Jensen, their center, has given up four sacks. Go to the Titans. Ty Sembreo and Roger Saffold have given up four apiece. The Saints, Andrus Pete. Guys getting super old and not very good at football. Four sacks. Absolutely a weak link over there. Austin Blythe, center for the uh, Los Angeles Rams. Four sacks. 
By the way, even the ones I'm skipping, they've given up three. They've got guys that, like the Chiefs and everybody else that I'm not talking, they, they've got guys that have given up three. I'm just looking for guys that have given up more than our guys. Like Chaz Green, the tackle over at Indy, four sacks. The Cleveland Browns, who have a great offensive line. Jedrick Wills, four sacks. The Bears, Charles Leno, has given up five sacks this season. Buffalo Bills' Deion Dawkins has given up five sacks. The uh, Baltimore Ravens guard, Tyree Phillips, six sacks on the season. So, you know, yeah, we got guys, and, and guys are going to lose battles. And, you know, we don't have the guy that just doesn't give up sacks ever. The, the, our left tackle that give, gave up one on the entire season is gone. And now we got guys that are going to give up. And, 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 you know, it's it's not just sacks, it's pressures. And that is somewhat problematic. Rodgers is going to be under pressure more. That's a reality. I mean, just just being completely honest about it, I mean, Billy Turner compared to David Bakhtiari is kind of a joke. David Bakhtiari's given up nine pressures all season. Billy Turner's given up 22. He's given up more than anybody else on this offensive line. There's going to be more pressures. It's not a question. But we'll make it work. We have a great quarterback. We still have a solid offensive line. We've got great running backs. And by the way, you also have to look at other teams and the, and the guys that they're bringing pressure with. Most teams just got their one guy. The, the Bears have Khalil Mack. That's basically it. I mean, Akeem Hicks is fine, but, I mean, he's got four sacks, and he's at about 10%. That's an average defensive tackle. He's average. I've been saying this for you. He had that one good year, and everybody's riding high on, on Akeem Hicks every time he comes around. Like, dude, that guy's a freak. No, man, he had that one real good year. I mean, he's a good football player, but he's not a freak. Blal Nichols, 10%. Robert Quinn off the edge, 10%. A little less than 10% and two sacks. That's garbage. Marcavius Mingo, a little less than 10%. It's Khalil Mack, and that's it. And Khalil Mack's real good. He was real good last time we played him, too. He just is. It does. Even if we have Bakhtiari, Khalil Mack is still there, and he's still scary. That's a reality. But it's not as though, you know, it's just there's... Billy Turner doesn't just lose by virtue of being there. Somebody has to actually beat him, and that doesn't happen very often. 22 times over the course of the season, we're talking, what, once or twice a game? Again, same with Tampa Bay. They got Shaquille Barrett and what? I mean, on the, on the exterior, at least, there's not much. There's still William Golston. Golston's solid. Vita Vela's having a great year, but he's done, I think, for the year. So off the edge, as far as the tackles are concerned, it's Shaquille Barrett and nobody. Tennessee, we learned firsthand, doesn't have anybody off the edge. The Saints are the one team that I'm pretty worried about, but I've been worried about the Saints since forever anyway. Everybody on their team is over 10%. I talked about that. Marcus Davenport, David Onyemata, Trey Hendrickson, Cam Jordan, all of them. Over 10% and a handful of sacks. David Onyemata, 44 pressures on 372 attempts, 7 sacks. Trey Hendrickson, 48 on 353 and 13 sacks. Cam Jordan, 54 on 497, 8 sacks. It's a scary unit, but they're scary anyways. We knew they were scary. Great front. One of the better linebackers in football in Demario Davis. Guy's 900 years old. He's killing it. It's a good football team. So what? <laughs> Point is, everybody that was scary is still scary. Everybody that has pass rushers had pass rushers when we had David Bakhtiari. But it's it's not as though we have Jason Spriggs. Remember that when, when we had lost a guy and Spriggs went out there and it was like every third snap, Rodgers was getting sacked? That's not what we're dealing with. We're putting guys out there that have already played this year. Some are better than others, but it's still a quality offensive line. To be completely honest with you, I, I think I'm a little bit more concerned with the devolving of the run game more so than the pressures on Aaron Rodgers. I understand if they can bring a ton of pressure, that'll just completely ruin the Green Bay Packers' chances. I get that. But I think they'll be able to hold up well enough. Again, my bigger concern 
is how well-oiled this, this run game had become, does that start to devolve a bit as we reshuffle this offensive line? Because that's an absolute killer for the other team. If we can run the ball, first of all, that's going to kill their pass rush. You want to send everybody? You want to start coming deep into our backfield while we start running the ball? We're going to crush you. So all, all is absolutely not lost. Winning a Super Bowl is largely about overcoming adversity because nobody gets through the season unscathed. Nobody. Everybody's got serious injuries. Packers have been unbelievably healthy the last two years. I mean, really, who, 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 who do we not have right now? The biggest person outside of our left tackle on IR is who? Tyler Irvin? So, you know, it is what it is. I said I wasn't going to redo the whole episode, but apparently I did. But again, as I said in the, in the last episode, this is also a, an opportunity for the team to, to rally around David Bakhtiari and, and honor what he's done this season by putting in 100%. It's, it's all go time now. There's no more taking days off. There's no more sleeping. 100% effort from here on out. Anyways, why don't we take a break right here, and uh, we'll come back and kind of start looking forward, if we possibly can, at this uh, Chicago Bears matchup. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Why don't we start off, since it's uh, the topic of the day, looking at the injury report? Because it's, um, you know, it's more than just one guy that got hurt. Uh, right now, a bunch of people on the injury report, as per usual. Um, the one guy that is worth talking about, thinking about whatever, is Simon Stepniak. Only because he's been out all year and he's finally back. I, I doubt he's going to have a big role, but you never know. We don't. We have a lot of questions at that position. I know everybody really likes John Runyon um, for good reason. He's a physical type of guy, but I don't think we've solidified him as the ultimate answer. I don't think Patrick is the answer. I think these are guys that are adequate, but I still think there's there's plenty of room for finding a guy that's actually quite good. Again, I, it's unlikely that that's going to be Stepniak, but it's you know you never know. Um, guys that did not practice, Mercedes Lewis. That's generally expected. I don't see a lot of reason to be a, uh, super overly excited right now usually about once a week or so they let him you know just take the day off for age reasons um, Kingsley Kiki has a concussion don't think he'll be playing 
Um, otherwise, nothing that seems too catastrophic. We got a bunch of limiteds. Uh, Kevin King was limited with a groin injury. Alan Lazard limited with a core injury. Will Redmond concussion. He was limited. I'm assuming if that was a little bit more serious, he would not be limited. He just wouldn't be allowed out on the field. So Darius ankle thumb injury limited. Equinemius limited with a knee. Jace limited with a concussion. Wagner, um, worth noting that he's trending in the right direction. I mentioned yesterday that um, he the injury was less serious than they thought. He did not practice on Wednesday. He practiced in limited fashion on Thursday. Another thing I mentioned is if this injury had not happened, there's a decent chance they let him rest. Um, it's possible now they may sort of rush him back. In other words, if you can go, you're going to go. So we'll have to monitor that, I suppose. Jamal Williams was back in full, which, again, is great. You know, I mean, if we need a little bit of extra help with the running backs uh, coming in to help block, Jamal's going to be a great option there. That's about it for that. On the Bears' sideline, they've got uh, quite a few interesting little things here that maybe you haven't heard because we've been focused on our own issues. They've got four guys that did not practice. Deion Bush has not practiced all week. He has a foot injury. Jalen Johnson has not practiced all week with a shoulder injury. Buster Screen has not practiced all week with a concussion. Allen Robinson did practice Wednesday, did not practice, has a hamstring injury. I'll say this. If Allen Robinson doesn't play, the Bears really don't have a chance. I'll just, I'm flat out. I've mentioned before that um, the Mitch Trubisky has not really had a massive resurgence. It's been the pieces around him, primarily Allen Robinson, who's currently grading out as the number three wide receiver in football. They've also got David Montgomery, but again, I think the Packers' game plan, and especially a, a reason why they're rushing snacks through this process, and of course they have to evaluate and make sure that, that he can and is capable of, of understanding what is being asked of him and can go out and play. But I, I think the game plan for the Chicago Bears is stop the run, force Trubisky to throw. If that's still the game plan and they don't have Allen Robinson, they're done. They're, they're, they're beyond done. Even with Allen Robinson, it's a tough ask against Jair Alexander. That's tough. Um, I mean, they're, they're not completely inept at wide receiver, but it's not good. Anthony Miller, 110th. He's ranked out of 126. Javon Wims, 120th out of 126. Darnell Mooney, the rookie who was seemingly very promising at one point, 76th out of 126. If all they have is David Montgomery running behind this subpar offensive line against the Green Bay Packers, who basically had that exact same game plan last week, and that was against a much better running back and a much better run-blocking offensive line. The game plan was stop the run, force them to throw. They're going to do that again against the Bears, but the Bears have less talent. They don't have as good of a quarterback, nowhere near as good of a quarterback. They don't have as good of an offensive line. They don't have as good a wide receiver. They don't have as good of a running back. This is like a wannabe Titans team. And again, if they if they don't have Allen Robinson... I, I, I'm sorry. I just there's there's no there's no way there's no way the I mean the the resurgence of the Chicago Bears follows identically with the resurgence of Allen Robinson. And by resurgence, I mean he's been good all year. He's been elite since the bye. Exact same trend as the pa- the Bears offense overall. The last three weeks, his grades have been 91, 84, 81. He's been maybe the best wide receiver in football the last three weeks. If he doesn't play, the Bears are going to get wrecked. They might anyways. I'm just telling you right now they're going to get absolutely wrecked because Trubisky is not leading this thing. Allen Robinson is playing out of his ever-loving mind. And by the way, um, Houston doesn't have a lot of great corners. 
Minnesota, Jacksonville, th- these aren't exactly Jair Alexander hubs. So, I mean, that, 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 that's the whole thing, in my opinion. I mean, if Allen Robinson goes, it's, it, it, there's a chance this is a good game, right? Especially if they have a good defensive game plan that's able to stifle the Packers' offense, which there shouldn't be, but it is a good defense. Um, that's, that's how they win this game. A balanced run-pass attack with Allen Robinson really dragging this team. They continue to run the ball well, and they draw up a good enough defensive game plan to slow down the Packers. All of those things have to happen for them to have a chance of beating the Packers. Without Allen Robinson, they cannot win. I'm just, I'm just declaring that right now. Other than a complete Green Bay Packers implosion, there's no way. I'm just, I refuse to believe it. I mean, just from a straight-up yardage standpoint in the last three weeks, 123 yards and a touchdown, 83 yards and 103 yards. He's, he's getting 100 yards a game. Darnell Mooney's got a couple touchdowns. He hasn't cracked 50 yards in the last three weeks. In fact, he's only cracked 50 yards twice the whole season. Anthony Miller isn't doing jack. He hasn't cracked 20 yards in the last three weeks. Jimmy Graham is getting a handful of touchdowns. He's got three the last three weeks. Um, so he, I, I suppose that would be an additional resurgence if we really want to believe that. Um, again, I tend to think that it it has a lot to do with the fact that you have to key in on one of the premier wide receivers in football as well as a team that's really doing a great job of running the ball right now. That's giving Jimmy Graham some real good opportunities, and they're taking advantage of that. There's not a lot of targets, not a lot of receptions, not a lot of yards, but again, three touchdowns in uh, in the last three weeks. He had 69 yards and two touchdowns against Jacksonville last week. It's Jacksonville, but, I mean, I, I guess that's their number one option right now outside of uh, Allen Robinson. Cole Komet, the rookie, is not doing anything. Javon Wims has one target, no receptions the last three weeks. Um, I mean, that's it. That's, that's the whole group. Otherwise, people are pretty hyped up about David Montgomery for obvious reasons. The yards have been off the charts, 113 yards, 146 yards, and 95 yards the last several weeks. Um, the biggest... Th- problem with that is he's been getting a ton of carries week 14 against Houston was the big thing he had 11 carries 113 yards 10.3 yard average that's massive the next week he gets 146 yards which just the number itself is crazy he had 32 carries in that game it's a 4.6 yard average which is fine but let's not you know give literally anybody on this team 32 carries gonna crack 100 yards I promise and then against Jacksonville 23 carries 95 yards is a 4.1 yard average he's got 4.4 on the season He's a good running back, but again, I, I really think it's just it's just a team that has, they found a good balance, and they're able to make things work, right? They're leaning on, very heavily, on Allen Robinson. They've got a running back that they run the ball a lot with, and they're, they're making progress with that. But it, it, as, simple, as, as simplistic as this sounds, um, the fact of the matter is when things are working, they're working. Right? We have a game plan, and as long as we're able to execute our game plan, we're going to be fine. That's, that's true of everybody. The point is, somebody needs to get in there and throw a wrench in the system and say, guess what, we're not going to let you do that. Can you adapt? I don't. The Bears are still a bad offense, ladies and gentlemen. They just found a way to get a balance between Jimmy Graham, their tight end, their running back, and their, their top-end wide receiver. And, and these guys are really starting to pick up steam from a talent standpoint. Trubisky isn't. But, but again, they found this balance and they're able to make it work. But what happens, first of all, again, when Allen Robinson goes out, that, that the wheels just completely fell off the car. If he doesn't, though, what happens when a guy like Jair goes out there and messes up your plans? What happens when we have a game plan that says we're not going to let you run and Jair's going to jam up your boy over here, and so that leaves you one option, Jimmy Graham? When they're allowed to do what they want to, and this is true of literally everybody, 
assuming you have a, a quality game plan, same with the Packers, as long as you're able to execute your plan, it's going to look really nice. And the Bears have run a sort of new plan that's work. It's a, it's a great system. It's working. And nobody has been able to kind of jam them up. And again, it's the Jaguars who have a terrible defense. The Texans have a terrible defense. And the Vikings right now have a terrible defense. The Packers are not that. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say that they're a premier defense, although they've, they've kind of been playing like that the last half of the year. But based on what they did to the, to the Titans, they're going to do it again. And it's going to be kind of the, almost the opposite. We don't prove anything to you. You prove to us that you can beat us. And the Bears, again, I don't think they're legitimately an offense that's going to overcome that. In other words, they'll come out right away and declare, our goal is to stack the box. We're going to stop you from running because you love to run a lot. And we're going to take away your number one wide receiver. And the, and the Packers, you look at it and say, well, why doesn't everybody do that? Because nobody has the talent. Nobody has, nobody else has Jair, the exception maybe of Miami. Also, you know, we, we got Amos and Savage roving over the top as well. If we need a little bit of help with, with Robinson, fine. We got guys to spare because, again, they don't have anybody else. So, you know, I, I, I really hate being overly cocky, and I've been pretty worried about a lot of things, but but it's it's real simple. The, the Packers are getting very, very good. Their offense is looking as good as it has all year. Their defense is, is I mean, you put it up against just about any defense in the league of, based on what they've done recently. And again, I think this Bears offense legitimately is a paper dragon. They, they have a real good system going. they got a quality running back. They've got a really good wide receiver and a tight end that, you know, if you put him in the right spot, he can still jump up and catch stuff. But I, I just think the Packers are going to bring a different energy, and I think they're just going to bottle that up and say, no, you're going to have to do better than that. And I don't know that they have a second gear. Again, their, their offensive line is not good. Their wide receiver, they don't have a secondary receiving option. They don't have a plan B. It's this is what we do. This is what we've had success with. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. The only other thing they have going for them is that their defense does such a good job stopping the Packers that the offense doesn't have to do that much. Right? If, if we only have to score 21 points or whatever to win the game, then we, we can manage that. Maybe. I, I don't, I mean, legitimately, I don't know. A lot of teams have struggled to get to 21 points with better offenses than the Bears. But again, what, we got to keep an eye on it. Um, I mean, hopefully there's, hopefully the Packers can stay healthy the rest of the week. I, I still think, again, they've got a, a more than enough talent to win this game and get the number one seed. We can deal with what comes down the pike after that. Right? I mean, we start to, well, we don't have a chance without Bakhtiari. Well, first of all, we do. And second of all, we don't know who we're facing. We don't know what injuries are coming up. We don't, I mean, for all we know, Drew Brees is going to be done for the season. I mean, I, 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 and I'm not wishing anything on anyone. I'm not trying to jinx anything. I'm just saying, again, we don't know. There's so many variables. Let's take it one week at a time. Right now, I'm looking at the Chicago Bears, and I'm saying, I, this is clearly advantage Packers, even without David Bakhtiari. Can they draw up a game plan that wins? Yes, but in my mind, if the Packers play 100%, they win this game, period. It doesn't matter. Bears at their best cannot beat the Packers at their best, period. Anyways, that's it. I got to get going. Got lots of work to do. You folks have yourselves a fantastic first day of the year. Hopefully, uh, I don't know, man. Let me know what's going on out there. I'm curious how this year is going to go. Got any good signs, bad signs? I'm, I'm only seeing bad stuff so far, but maybe I'm just paranoid. But have a great day, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.